Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from The Message. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing and how you can get involved, check out our website, message.org.uk. I'm so excited um, to jump into Acts 23. And I love that we just sang that song, actually, just talking about like being able to be refreshed um, in, in God's love and his mercy and his kindness, which is available to us every single day, right? Like streams of living water. Just as we were singing, it just reminded me of Psalm 1, that promise of the person who's rooted and planted in God's righteousness, streams of living water, giving all that you need every single day. And God, we just pray for that today, God. We pray that as we um, dive into your word this morning, that we would be refreshed, God, where we need refreshing. Father, that we would be challenged where we need challenging. We would be comforted where we need comforting. I thank you, Jesus, that your word um, is able to do all those things. And um, so we just pray that you would speak to us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, that you did come, that you did um, draw near, that you came to be with us and you left us with um, your Holy Spirit to guide us and be with us every step of the way. And so we thank you for that afresh today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we are in Acts 23, and I'm not going to lie to you, I just feel like it is pure carnage, like actual carnage. I've never read anything that is more carnage in my life. I was reading, I was like, what the heck is going on in this chapter? And it reminded me about this one time that I went to the cinema to watch a film called Tenet, you know, and I went, and I'll be real, I went because I wanted to impress my guy mates. You know, Ben and Soulbox loves films. Mark and Andy, I love to engage in conversations with them, and they love films. So I was like, okay, cool, I'm going to go and watch it. Everyone's talking about it. I sit in the cinema, and I'm like, I do not understand what the heck is going on in this film. I'm sat there for so long. I'm like, what is happening? Every, like, about 20 minutes, somebody would say one thing, and suddenly it made sense for a little bit. And then you're, like, lost and all this stuff and you're like what is happening again I'm lost for another 30 minutes until somebody says one word I'm like oh I think I get it then I'm lost again it's like literally like that for me when I was reading this passage I was like oh my goodness what the heck is going on don't worry if you haven't watched it watch it and let me know what you think I stand by my word if anybody mentions a film from over here and you're worried about spoilers don't worry unless it's Ben Jack I'm not going to do that to you so go and watch it let me know what you think and if it makes sense to you I think you're lying, but it's cool. You do you. Um, and I was thinking that as I was reading this here, and to recap, Paul has arrived in Jerusalem, and there's a bunch of Jews from Asia who really don't like him, and they accuse him wrongly of teaching against Jewish law. And they accuse him of encouraging people to ignore Jewish practices. Um, and then they accuse him of taking a Gentile into a part of the temple where Gentiles aren't allowed. And of course, all of this stuff isn't actually true. Like, he hasn't done any of this at all. But all these rumors are spreading, and it's so bad that even when he arrives in Jerusalem, fellow Christians, they're like, mate, they They've been talking about you like they know the stuff that you're doing it is absolutely crazy before he even steps foot there there's all these rumors that are being spread about him but that thing with the temple um with that gentile is the tip of it all and they're like no we are not having it so whilst Paul is in the temple he's dragged out by this mob they start beating him um they start doing all of this stuff this riot breaks out and then the Roman 
commander is like, what the heck is going on here? What is happening? So he steps in to see what's happening. Of course, as soon as he steps there, the Jewish mob stops beating Paul. Um, they're a little bit scared because, you know, a Roman is now amongst them. Uh, and he decides we need to chain him up and arrest him so we can figure out what is happening. We need to get down to the bottom of this. So he asks them, what is going on here? One person shouts one thing. Another person shouts another thing. He's like, I cannot get to the bottom of this at all. The crowd would not calm down. It was absolutely carnage, chaos. And in the middle of that, Paul asks, let me address the crowd. You know, he wants to give his defense here. As we saw in chapter 22, um, he's, he's given a defense because his integrity is in question. And if you missed the passage that, that Ben took us through, that part about like what we do when we are having our integrity questioned, or even better, actually, when we don't want to admit it, what we do when we are lacking in integrity, Ben gave us some really good practical ways that we can find what is true integrity and how can we get a hold of it in our own lives. So I'd encourage you to listen to that back. It was brilliant. But Paul addresses this crowd and the things that he says don't bring any revelation they bring pure anger he takes them through the entire journey of what he's been through from being somebody who was like them like persecuting the Christians even killing them to then actually saying whoa all this stuff that I studied about the religious law all this stuff that's beautiful about the law that God has given us reveals Jesus but this crowd is like no we are not having it and it turns into pure carnage so the Romans um, arrest him they take him back because they're afraid that he's about to get killed it is kicking off and it is absolutely crazy so this Roman commander is like I need to get the truth out of Paul so he chains him and he's about to flog him beat him up to beat the truth out of him then it comes out that Paul is a Roman citizen and this is illegal to be doing this to him it is pure carnage like it's just absolutely crazy when you're reading it you're like what must have this been like it's crazy but anyway he realizes that tying him up and beating him is not the way that he's going to get the truth this man is a Roman citizen he deserves a fair trial so we land in chapter 20 so he decides to bring Paul again um, up to the Sanhedrin, the Jewish council of leaders, to give a defense, to find out what the heck is happening. Why did this mob want to kill this man so bad? So chapter 23, verses 1 to 10, is Paul standing in front of the Sanhedrin. And this is what it says. Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, my brothers, I have fulfilled my duty um, to God in all good conscience to this day. I think that's a very strong start. I think it's pretty it's looking good. Verse 2. At this, the high priest Ananias ordered those standing near Paul to strike him on the mouth. Whoa, it's not going well. Uh, verse 3. Then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. Very, very offensive. Whew. Uh, <laughs> you sit there to judge me according to the law, yet you yourself violate the law by commanding that I be struck. And then verse 4, those who were standing there, Paul said, how dare you insult God's high priest? And then Paul replied, brothers, I did not realize that he was the high priest, for it is written, do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. We are but a sentence into this man's defense in front of the Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin, the high priest, and it is not going well. He's one sentence in and he's been punched in the mouth. Like, can you imagine that? Like, this is absolutely nuts. Um, and there's all sorts of reasons that people give as to why Paul wouldn't have known that it was the high priest. It could be to do with the fact that people think, think that he had like bad eyesight. It could be to do that he'd been so far away from Jerusalem for so long that when he came back, he didn't actually recognize that he was speaking to the high priest. Whatever the reason is, it is not going well. It is absolutely terrible. They, he gets punched in the mouth because they're basically saying, what you are saying is so ridiculous. It is so crazy that I do not want to hear it. Just a few 
few sentences in, he's hit in the mouth and he's insulted the high priest. It is not going well for Paul in this situation at all. But one thing that I love in that little beginning passage here is Paul replies to him and he says, you're judging me um, by the law and you're like a hypocrite, basically, is what he's saying. Do you know, oftentimes we feel like God's word gets really good once we hit the New Testament. But actually, when you look um, into the Old Testament, God gave good laws. God gave like something that was pure, that was just, that was right. And if you look at Deuteronomy 25 verses 1 to 2, the reason why Paul has that response is because in that passage, it says you can't beat somebody if they've not been been proven guilty and once they have been proven guilty you beat them to a certain amount but actually what we see in the book of acts is every single time um god's people god's apostles jesus apostles are like flogged and beaten when they haven't even done anything wrong these jewish leaders are not following the law that god has given them in the first place it's absolutely chaos but anyway it's not going well for him and paul realizes this And I actually think that he begins to panic. Personally, I think he's panicking a little bit. You know, we look at Paul and usually I feel like he's quite composed and um, quite, quite well put together. But I wonder if in this situation, he was actually feeling a bit scared. I'd be scared if there was like a massive mob like that that was ready to kill me. I'm in front of the Jewish leaders trying to give a defense and I've already been hit in the mouth. I'm probably going to die here, I feel like is what he's thinking. Anyway, he tries to get out of the situation fast and he's very clever. So in verse 6, this is what happens. Then Paul, knowing that some of the men were Sadducees and others Pharisees, called out in the Sanhedrin, My brothers, I am a Pharisee, descended from Pharisees. I stand on trial because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. When he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the assembly was divided. The Sadducees say that there is no resurrection and that there are neither angels nor spirits but the pharisees believe in all these things there was a great uproar and some of the teachers of the law who were pharisees stood up and argued vigorously we find nothing wrong with this man they said what if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him the dispute became so violent that the commander was so afraid paul would be torn to pieces by them he ordered the troops go down and take him away Um, from them by force and bring him into the barracks chaos absolute chaos I'm reading this I'm thinking Lord is this just a script for the next like you know Netflix series about the disciples is there anything that you want me to say about this because this is pretty much it like it's chaos and right there in the middle of the chaos there's just two things that really struck me and the first one I'm just going to brush past super quickly I think it's really interesting that the Sadducees and the Pharisees are coming together even though they have differences they're coming together with what they genuinely believe is a just cause to stand up and um, you know literally like condemn this man because he is to them he's worshipping a false messiah he's leading people astray if they are so strong in that opinion Do you understand what happens in a moment? It takes one difference to tear them apart and bring division. And that really spoke to me in that moment of like, for us as Christians working across the message, what is the one thing that unites us? It's actually our belief about Jesus. It's actually our belief that Jesus is God. He came to die. He rose again and he will come back. It's our belief that God exists as Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all these really, really strong, important things that we believe, right? That are the main focus that should unite us. But how often does it take one thing to be said and suddenly we're divided even amongst this place I felt so convicted about it 
You know, I get it. You know, sometimes you're in the prayer room and somebody talks about, you know, praying in the spirit and speaking in tongues and you're a bit like, oh, I don't know what to think about that, you know. Or somebody talks about um, one thing that they believe about, like whatever hot topic it is about God and healing and all these things. You go, oh, I don't believe in, in the same way that you do. And suddenly we are divided, divided and we miss the main goal. The main goal is to love the Lord your God all your heart or your mind, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And that looks like us loving God and bringing people into his kingdom. We miss it because we're so caught up in all these silly divisions. Imagine if they'd actually come together and they meant it. Let's imagine for a moment that this was a just cause. Well, friends, we do follow a just cause and that is what God has commanded us to do. Let's not stand divided over things that do not matter because then we won't reach our goal. And that really struck me I was like whoa that is absolutely mad but the one thing that really did strike me is in the middle of all of this chaos as all of this stuff is happening right in verse 11 is the voice of Jesus and it changes everything Jesus's words come at the right time and they change everything now I need to find the words because I've lost them which is really funny verse 11 It says this, the following night after all of this stuff has happened, um, the Lord stood near Paul and said, take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. It's beautiful, like so, so, so amazing. In that moment, as Jesus speaks, Paul finds comfort. Paul is encouraged and Paul is given a new sense of hope. And this is what happens. I don't know what your life looks like right now or, you know, I don't know what it's going to look like in about five, ten weeks, in a month or in a year. But you could find yourself in a chaos, just like Paul finds himself in here as well. We could find ourselves in times of chaos. We've already been through some crazy stuff. But guys, hold on to the words of what Jesus says when you're in the midst of that chaos. Because through his words, you find the comfort, you find the encouragement, you find the hope that you need to keep going. And I believe that that is what happens for Paul in this moment. The words of Jesus bring comfort. At a time that's dark and lonely, Jesus appears to Paul. How amazing is that? The Lord stood near him like like Jesus actually appeared to Paul. How, How incredible is that? You know, sometimes I've prayed, I'm like, God, I want to see angels and all these different things. And, and one time uh, I fell asleep and I'd been praying that prayer. And in my dream, it was very vivid. I opened like the bedroom door and this light was like so bright. And I fell to the floor and I woke up. I was like, no, thank you. I'm good. I'm all right. You just, you, you keep that to yourself, mate. You know, I'm just, I'm good. I'm, I'm genuinely, no, genuinely, I'm all right. Uh, but I wonder what that must have been like. I'd be freaked out. I'd be like, oh my gosh, what is happening? But Obviously, Jesus is good. You'd feel some level of peace, right? (laughs) Thank you. Um, (laughs) But Jesus appears to Paul in this moment. And it's mad because Paul is actually really sad. I feel like he's really sad. I feel like um, it's not really gone the way that he probably hoped it would have gone. You know, I feel like Paul is somebody who really cared about um, like Jewish leaders. Having been one himself, we see that he was a Pharisee. I feel like he would have been very convicted to be like, guys, this truth that you love, this truth that you follow, you've just missed the mark. It reveals Jesus. And when he stands in front of the Jewish leaders and the hope to convert them, to let them know that Jesus is the Messiah, and one sentence in, he struck in the mouth. I think he would have been in that cell feeling really sad feeling absolutely devastated and that's when Jesus comes and brings comfort that word take heart when you see it in other parts of the of the bible take heart take courage cheer up be of good cheer 
Um, be confident, hopeful, be bold, maintain a bold bearing. Jesus brings comfort in the midst of the chaos in our world, in our personal world. He cares about us and he wants to bring you comfort. I don't know what's happening in your life today. I don't know what's going to happen soon, but, but remember this truth when, when things do happen. Remember this truth if things are happening. Jesus wants to bring comfort. He cares. And that doesn't mean that the things that are troubling you, the things that are going on are just going to disappear. You might have to go through some things, some of us all the way until we meet him face to face, some of us maybe for a moment. But what is actually true, what, we, what, what it is we find comfort in, is it's in, in knowing that Jesus is never going to leave us. It's in knowing that he's always going to be by our side. What does he say to the disciples? I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will face trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. The comfort comes in knowing that the one who's overcome the world promises to be with us forever. May this bring you guys comfort today. The second thing is Jesus' words bring encouragement. Um, just as Kathy is a fan of me, I'm a massive fan of Kathy. <laughs> Girl crush for life. Um, she's amazing. She's such, such a beautiful woman. And I love that on prayer day, um, she came to speak to us. And she said specifically she came to encourage us, right? She said that she, she, said that she came to uplift us and to, 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 to remind us to take courage by looking at Joshua 1. She said that the antidote to discouragement is encouragement. The other thing that I think Paul is feeling at this moment is discouragement, Again, because of, the, because of the conviction that he would have had for seeing Jewish um, people come to know who Jesus is. You know, these are the guys in which God has said, you are my chosen people. It's through you that I'm going to bring about the salvation plan. Yet they reject God. I feel like he would have felt so, so discouraged that he stood there and it did not go the way that he wanted it to go. I remember the first time I was asked to preach at a higher tour. I was very excited about it. I got through the preach and I forgot to say that Jesus came back to life. And uh, uh, Daniel, my friend here, had to come up and help me. And, you know, I walked away and I felt so discouraged. I felt really discouraged. I was like, oh, no. Like, that was, that, that was terrible. That was absolutely awful. And I just felt really down about it. And later on that evening, somebody texted me and, and they literally gave me feedback on everything from top to bottom. They were like, oh, mate, that was so good. Like, um, I feel like God is going to use you. And as they just started to speak all of this encouragement into my heart, like everything changed. And I knew in that moment that God is so much bigger than what I failed to do. The higher tour is filled from start to finish with testimony about how Jesus comes back to life. Like, this is why we do what we do in it. We work together. And in that moment, I realized that, oh, yeah, like th this isn't the end, you know. <laughs> Like, God will still use me and give me opportunities to be able to preach the gospel to young people. That's what I want to do. And, like, that happened in that moment because somebody encouraged me. I wonder if he'd been there in that cell just remembering how badly it had gone. I wonder if he'd been there thinking, oh, maybe I shouldn't have started that fight about, you know, the, the resurrection or what I believe or whatever. I wonder if he was just replaying all of this stuff. And it's in that moment that Jesus says, um, take courage just as you have testified, just as you have testified, Jesus is saying, just as you have testified, and that word, you look at it like earnestly, honestly. I mean, it's giving well done, good and faithful servant, if I look at it myself. It's giving very well done, like you've done a good job, like you've done very well. Like Jesus comes to bring encouragement to be like, just as you have testified, not mate, 
this was really good up until X, Y, and Z. Or like, oh, so you did X, Y, and Z, but I didn't like ABC. He just says, just as you have testified, God wants a heart that is willing to go. And even if it doesn't go the way that we think it's going to go, even if it doesn't go the way that we hope it would go, we have to trust that God has a bigger plan. And he's just proud that you've put yourself out there. He's just proud that you are like, yeah, I'm going to go and do what you've commanded me. Like how amazing is that Jesus comes to encourage him? All the times you've done anything for Jesus, earnestly, honestly, no matter the result of what's happened, he is proud of you. He sees that. Even though other people don't see it half the time. Even if the reward and the recognition doesn't come in this lifetime. Even if people think you're nuts, because that's what they would have thought about Paul. They genuinely thought he'd lost the plot to be like, how could you be, how could you go from being somebody who had it so right when you were persecuting these guys to now being somebody who's getting it so wrong? Even then, even then, Jesus is proud of you. And I hope this encourages you guys today. And the last thing that Jesus' words do is they bring hope. It's not the end for Paul. It's not the end. Jerusalem is not going to be the place in which he dies. And we see this because Jesus says, just as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, you're going to do the same in Rome. There's hope. I wonder if in that moment it brought him peace. You know, as we go through the passage, um, it talks about these 40 men that they come together. They're like, we're not going to eat or sleep or drink until Paul is dead. Of course, he doesn't know about this rumor, but actually he can stand firm to be like, no matter what happens with these Jewish leaders, no matter what happens with what's going on around me, Jesus has said, I'm going to Rome. There is peace for my mind. There is hope for my life. I will get to, there's still more work to be done, basically. And this all comes because God has spoken. How incredible is that? In the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the mess, sometimes even of our making, <laughs> which is very much we don't want to admit, Jesus still says it's okay. I still want to use you. I still want there's still more to be done. Even if the race that is marked before us, we stumble and we fall, it's very important for us to get back up and fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, perfecter of our faith. Hebrews 12 tells us to keep going. Let's throw off the things that are hindering us. Whether it be discouragement or, or, or failure or all these things, there's still more work to be done. And God still wants to use you. I hope this fills you guys with hope today. See, for Paul, it was the very words from Jesus that brought comfort, encouragement, and hope. Comfort, encouragement, and hope. Which is great, isn't it? See, he was still in prison for the next two years. And Jesus' word came just at the right time. Just at the right time. And I think that that is the very thing that he would have been holding on to in those two years as he's brought in front of one Roman leader after another, after another, one council, all these different things going on. He knew that God has said, I'm going to Rome. Reminds me of when Jesus says to the disciples, let's cross to the other side. They jump in the boat. Jesus says, let's cross to the other side. He said a promise. But then the, 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 the waves and the hurricane, all that stuff starts to come and they freak out. Jesus is sleeping because he said, I'm, I'm going to the other side. I've already said it. That's where we're going. But they've missed the words of God, which would, give, which would have given them hope in that, in that moment to know that, oh, there's still somewhere to go here. We're not going to die here today because Jesus said we're going to cross to the other side. Not we're going to see what happens and see if we make it. We're going to cross to the other side. When Paul had that assurance from God, he knew that no matter what happens, and he would have had to go back to it time and time and time again, I'm going to Rome. How incredible is that? That's what kept him going. 
When it's chaotic, when it's carnage and nothing seems to make sense, God's words bring comfort, encouragement, and the hope that we need, and especially when we need it most. So what's our response to this? Let's get into the word regularly. Regularly. Like you get, you, you get so lost and off track. Like personally for me, it's like you get so lost and I get so lost and off track when I'm not in my word, when I'm not in my Bible. And you don't even realize it because it happens so slowly. And then you're like, whoa, how did I come to believe this thing? Whoa, how did I come to get involved in this thing? Whoa, how did I come to do this action? But actually God's word is there. And it's so good, right? For, and I said that on purpose at the start because God's, God's word outside of like what men do to twist it and do all these different things, what we do to twist it and make it whatever, it's righteous, it is just, it is good. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, he can reveal to you what that actually means and what that looks like for you. There are some challenging things in there. Of course there is. There really, really is. But actually, you have to come to the point where you're like, God, like, what, what do I know of you and, and who you are and, and how this would have meant and what this would have looked like? And trust in him. Because even in all of that confusion, all the hard stuff that's in his word, there is so much gold that is so encouraging. You know, the day that, that Kathy came and she spoke in that passage, God has been speaking to me to get back into Joshua. I'd gotten back into Joshua. I was like, oh, I don't want to read this whole chapter. It's a lot. <laughs> like, I was like, no, I don't want to do it. And then I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to read it. I get in here on prayer day and it's the same thing that she's preaching. It comes up in conversation day in, day out. Like my, my mentees go to wildfires and it's through Joshua God speaks to me and encouragement to them, which made sense to them, which was God speaking. Like God is so good. Like just get into it regularly, whatever that looks like for you. No pressure, no nothing. Just get into it. Pray God, speak to me. Number two, if you've ever been given any words of prophecy, any words of knowledge, um, anything like that, I want to encourage you guys, if it's from people that you trust, to reflect on it as often as you can. And be alert, because some things don't happen straight away, do they? Some things happen months, years down the line. And then you've like missed a word and season for your life. Go through that stuff, write it down. When God speaks to you, test it, challenge it. If it makes sense, hold on to it. Because there's a fair chance that you're going to need it. And as somebody who's often sometimes missed even just like warnings or encouragements or all these different things, I find myself feeling down or, or find myself just like off track a little bit. And I'm like, oh, God warned me about this a few months ago or a few years ago. Or God promised me this and I hadn't even realized that. It's an answer to prayer. Hold on to those things if you trust them. I'm coming to an end. Don't worry. And number three, pray. Make space for God to actually speak to you personally as well as God speaks to us through the Bible which is amazing he speaks to us and when we just come to him and we pray and he speaks to us to other people he, he speaks to us when we come to him directly and we pray as well bring your knees before God bring your worries and and all of your questions your doubts all these things that you're feeling bring them before God and his peace which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus and, and that's a promise that, that we have to believe, right? That's a promise that we have to hold on to. And God is good and he will do that because that's who he is. And I really hope that today, guys, if you read this, um, that you will feel that comfort from God's word, that you will feel that encouragement from God's word, that you will feel that hope that there is more to come no matter where you're at, no matter what is happening. God loves you and wants to use you, wants to do great things in and through your life. If you're struggling today, find somebody to pray with. Find a book in the Bible that you can read, even if it takes you five, six months. <laughs> you know, do something that you can to make sure that you're connecting with God's word regularly, because that's what you're going to need as you go through challenges and different things that happen in your life. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you're good. 
I thank you that you're good, God. I thank you that you care for us, God. I thank you that you see every heart, every mind, that you see all of the chaos that's going on in our world personally, Jesus. Whether it's through other people's doing, whether it's through our own doing, Jesus, I thank you that that doesn't change your response to us. Your, your response to us is still that of unconditional love no matter what. And that God that you draw near. And as you draw near, you bring us comfort. You bring us encouragement. You set us back on the right path. You bring us hope, God, to know that no matter what, that you have said to us that we are your, your, your masterpiece created in you in Christ Jesus to do the good things that you planned for us long ago. There are still things to be done with you. There are still things to be done through us, and we thank you for that promise, and we hold on to that today, no matter what chaos and troubles we're facing today. Be with us. Speak to us. Holy Spirit, would you just um, cleanse us? Would you fill us afresh today and give us the hope that we need to make it through? In your name we pray. Amen. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support our work or even get involved with one of our teams. We also have another podcast called The Flow Podcast, where we share stories and testimonies of the amazing things that God's doing in people's lives. Search for The Flow Podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. 